You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castron. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. Great wow. to see you, buddy. Great to see you. Eh. Here we are. Don't in, care. In the flesh. In the garage. Not in, the virtual garage. The real garage. An actual garage. Our, our podcast studio, it's in a transition right now. It is uh, transitioning from an uncomfortable corner of your garage to a quasi-professional setup that we're working on here. Yeah, we're going to, with the help of you, the podcast listener, um, we're investing further in our setup here. We'll be more specific with the help of our Patreonies on patreon.com slash throwback pod. That's fair. I'm trying right now. I'm working with some of our new equipment. He's, if you can uh, hear that, and I apologize. He's, he's futzing with the mic, as they say. Um, yes. And we are, we're excited. You know, it just shows Bob that we are in it for the medium hall, at least a medium hall until people get wise on what we're doing. And by people, I mean, lawyers and, uh, the record industry. <laughs> Thank you. To, well, we're going to absorb that, uh, lawsuit with the help of HeadGum. All right. So first things first, the last time you heard from us, it was one of our favorite episodes we've done. And it sounds like uh, based on social media, at least, and our subreddit, which you could check out at Around the NFL. Is that what? What? No, sorry. Come on. I mean, I did start both of them. So let's not forget (laughs) that. I am the genius that got Around the NFL onto Reddit and then also started the uh, throwback subreddit. You've all, you also started all those like creep Reddit things like people get the subreddits that had to be wiped away. The creep shots of like uh, girls who don't know you're taking their photos. That right. was me too. That was you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, throwback pod subreddit. And, uh, but mostly on Twitter, everyone loved Matt Money Smith. And oh my God. This is a deep dive at K Rock. This uh, is our first, this is our first post peak episode. Like we peaked, it turns out. It yeah. turns out after all of this time, all people ever wanted was somebody who knows what they're talking about. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, an, it's a bit of an insult. <laughs> cool uh, that people really seem to uh, enjoy the episode. On the, yeah. On the other hand, it's like, uh oh, <laughs> kind of exposed us because yep. now we're going back to a couple jackals who don't know anything, don't know anything. <laughs> To have no stories, have no stories about being like in the middle of the uh, record industry. I can't remember one time I was in a uh, boozy conversation with Jay-Z. Yeah. I never took anybody from Lifehouse out to get them drunk and uh, corrupt them in any way. I love that. One thing that, because we could have done a whole episode on Money's story about trying to corrupt the guys from Lifehouse who are all <laughs> Christian and, um, you know, very pious gentlemen, young gentlemen. The one comment Money made at the end was he could never get the lead singer. Mm-hmm. I think his name is Jason. Yep. But he did get the drummer. Got the drummer. I wonder that I assume the drummer is married with 14 kids now. You'd have to assume that. Yeah. He probably wasn't happy. The thing I loved uh, about Money also was I, I don't want to use this expression because I hate it, but it's very popular in today's parlance. Uh, he was all cool about spilling the tea. Yeah, I mean, you didn't you have name to, names. You didn't. You could have just said name names. We didn't need the spilling the tea thing. That is disgusting, especially coming out of your face. It just feels weird. Hey, listen, he was spilling tea. He spilled some tea. I hate saying it too. Yeah, gotcha. 
but he We're did gonna that. listen to some good bops tonight. That was the that's awful too. He uh you immediately texted me when I sent you the episode before we posted it. Like, holy shit, money names names. Like mm-hmm. I think you forgot like how many just he was like calling up program directors. He didn't give a, a shit. It was amazing. I guess in uh in money's thinking, because I'm sure it wasn't something he was doing accidentally, that was a world that he no longer lives in. Yeah. So he has he had the people he respected. And then the people he didn't, and he doesn't care. Who knows? And uh, I'm sure he so was. was I'm awesome. sure. I'm sure he was aware that this podcast podcast reaches dozens of people. Dozens. So like, it probably will get back to those folks because one of the dozens knows somebody else who knows somebody, and there you have it. Small world. Small world. This is parachutes night on the Throwback Pod here in the Throwback Pod garage. The second Coldplay album that we'll be doing, but the first Coldplay album that ever existed. It was a uh, a poll victory. Yeah, this was a for poll, Chris Martin's lads. Poll victory. I like when um, you remind me of that, and I don't have it up, so I have no idea who it beat. Oh, how about you vamp, and I'll pull it up. Okay, let's see, um, let's see how you do. So here in the garage, I do think, and you're going to say, "Oh, you're investing a lot of money in the garage and uh, and upgrading this." the setup for the throwback podcast, are you no longer thinking about burning down the garage? And the answer, quite frankly, is I absolutely still plan to burn down the garage. Oh, it makes it even more enticing, I think. And yes, uh, because what the garage, the burning of the garage ultimately will represent is just a release and a way to free myself from the chains that bind me. And the more money, the more investment, the more of my past life that is in the garage... When it goes up, the more I will be free. And that is how you vamp. That was a great vamp. Um, I think we need to, before I tell you what parachutes beat in a poll, we have to acknowledge the fact that this wasn't the next poll winner that we were supposed to hit. A month before we did this poll, Interpol won a poll. And we were going to do... I'm already falling asleep. We were going to do Interpol next. How many times are you going to say poll right now? However... Because we talked about Interpol on the Money Podcast, and that was about 2004, I agreed with Dan that we should probably postpone that for a little bit. So Dan, much like Donald Trump trying to delay the election, Dan Dan threw out threw that out there, and uh, hopefully, unlike Trump, Dan's ploy worked. Wait, I didn't say that. That wasn't my idea. What kind of narrative are you trying to cook up here? Fake news, bro. I never want to do the Interpol <laughs> podcast, but I understand at some point we should do it. And I will take for you know advanced measures in the future to make sure we never do um, a album that I, I hate. But I actually I'm going to say this when we get to the Interpol podcast. But I don't I don't mind hitting Interpol even though I don't have any connection with it. When the time comes, I'm ready for it. Okay, that's very big of you. To, Thank you to listen to what the fans want. Um, I don't care about that. The poll that Coldplay came out on top was our. For British Eyes Only poll. <laughs> for British Eyes Only. <laughs> uh, and it beat out. That's an Arrested Development uh, deep poll there for fans of that late, beautiful show. Coldplay came in with 43% of the vote. Second place, Pulp's Different Class lost again, only 29%. It's not going to happen. About it's not going to happen. We least. haven't done what we call a, a dealer's choice episode. I know. And many, many moons now on the show, which is basically just one of us decides we want to do an album. 
That's your only chance of getting pulp on. Pulp, better than Ezra and the Gin Blossoms, have lost the most pulls. <laughs> like, they just can't win. But you know what that tells us ultimately is we want to do those albums, yeah. so we should just do them. I know, it's and, true. and stop letting the listeners be like, no, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. <laughs> Why do we listen? It also beat out uh, the Verve's Urban Hymns. Oh, that's surprising. And uh, Travis's The Invisible Band. Now, that might be a Zeuser uh Dealer's choice, although it might not have to be because I know you love that album as well. Yep, I can see that coming. But uh, Coldplay came out on top. Some people were very despondent about that. Some people were happy. Some people uh, threatened to kill themselves if Coldplay won. What? Yeah, some people were not were not very happy about this. This is a goes. this is a, a podcast. <laughs> like what? You <laughs> just skip the app, bro. That's it. <laughs> it. If you skip the app, it essentially in your life, for all intents and purposes, did not happen. That's the way to do this. No, I, I disagree. I think <laughs> kill yourself. <laughs> Be invested. This is not a great podcast in terms of mental health and awareness, <laughs> as it turns out. All right, Bob, what was so I know this. In fact, I was with you, Bob. I was living in Boston, Massachusetts. I was a junior uh, at Northeastern University. I was living in the dorms on Huntington Avenue across from the YMCA and we went to the, you were visiting Boston as you did I felt like you visited a lot I did yeah because you guys were on trimesters so I got to come whenever I was off right because it was me and also my friend do love my friend Sam our friend Sam and um and we went to I'm gonna guess Newberry Comics I would assume that yeah which is a kind of an iconic record shop located on Newberry Street in Boston and I got parachutes and it would have, I remember it was probably, it must've been, this album came out in 2000 at some point, but I, I'm going to say I probably got it late 2000 or early 2001. When did the album come out? Came out on November 7th, 2000. Mm, there you go. AKA election day. It was election day. The big election. George W V Al Gore. That one, that got sloppy. Got pretty sloppy. So by the time you got yeah. the album, that election probably still wasn't decided. Um, yeah, that was the Hanging Chad election, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, and the single, the big single that's, that blew up, and we'll get to it uh, in a little bit, was the reason I got the album. And I do remember, Bob, I have a weird memory of this. I don't know why. The other album I got the same day was Kid A. I got Kid A wow. by Radiohead. And I got Parachutes by Coldplay on the same day. And we got back to my dorm and I put the CD in and went to track five. And then you got mad at me. It was like, no, started from the beginning. Yes. I don't know why I remember that. I don't know why either, but I love that. But maybe you should fucking not make pass any judgments on how people no. want to ingest their musical choices. Mm -mm. You buy an album, you start at the beginning. What, I are you? what kind of monster are you? You just <laughs> skip to the middle of the album. Oh, let's start here. Because I've. I loved the song. So get to it. You have to earn it. It wasn't like it is now. It wasn't as immediate. Uh, you know, uh, you couldn't have that song at your fingertips. But I guess Napster was around. I don't know. I don't know why I needed to hear Yellow so goddamn much in that moment. You were just some freewheeling <laughs> college student who just wanted things your way on demand. <laughs> and you were there to be like, no, son. <laughs> it will be much more rewarding when you earn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get to it before we get to parachutes, as we always do. Uh, we used to do like a, what was going on in the world at that time. But I think Bob just that said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. No, anymore. that was it. It was the election. That's that it. 
What you used to have all this cool stuff, and you'd be like, "Here were the movies that were out. Here was I, I have here it. was the book I was I reading." Have it. A lot of times, you just kind of cut you know, me I off. I finger blasted on. this one girl down at Towson. Never said that. It did happen on occasion, though. But I've never said that. Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones married Michael Douglas that month. Wow! Really? Yep. Uh, that was a nice pull by Douglas, who had, I probably had had it all at that point. Uh, not probably he did. Michael Douglas had been probably a, a swordsman in Hollywood for. 30 years at that point, 40 years. And to, to, to get Zeta at that point was a nice, nice job by him. I well, think I th- they're still together. I think so. I think we know now how he got her. It was because, uh, cover your ears if the kids are around, but, uh, he, t- Oh, Bob. No, that became a thing. Do you, do you remember? Oh, because he of his diagnosis, he got throat cancer and then he blamed it on. E- he didn't, those weren't his words though. Yes, they were. To who? America. You know, sometimes on this show, Bob, you you'll say something, and you know it probably like kind of screams for a fact check. If you don't have this exactly right, this is really the low moment of our podcast because that is, you know, that's a pretty heavy quote to attribute to somebody. <laughs> yes, I have cancer. It's from. E- yes, that's exactly what he said, and I'm pulling up the proof. I'm pulling up the receipts, as they say. See, you can't say that. Why not? Because if I say, if I can't say spilling tea and bops, you can't say I want the receipts. We, can, we, we don't have a, we don't have a, um, we don't have the past, the youth culture like that. Right, I'm looking for an exact quote, but yes, he said, um, oh my God. no, here it is. Here we go. Ah, without getting too specific, this particular cancer is caused by something called HPV, which actually comes about from cunnilingus. Well, yeah, he said cunnilingus, Bob. What's the difference? You, you know that you know that's what that call, is, right? You told me, yes, that is the fancy pants way of saying it. But you said it in a way as if it was his direct quote. <laughs> I never said Michael Douglas said, quote, I got cancer from me. But you don't but say he, that. Like, I know you. You're not somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I was. So why are you using such vulgar <laughs> <laughs> vernacular right now? I feel like it fits Michael Douglas. That's why. <laughs> that is a crazy story. He beat it. <laughs> he did beat it. All right. What was the number one song? But is there anything else? Uh, I don't know where to go with after that. You <laughs> where mean else the, do you go? the bit that I'll probably have to cut out of the show? <laughs> probably. Movies that came out that month: Charlie's Angels, Little Nicky, and Unbreakable. Okay, that's very two thousand. I know it's a very two thousand lineup. I saw yeah. two of the three in the theater. I never saw Little Nicky in the theater. I did not see Little Nicky in the theater, but I'm with you. I saw Unbreakable and Charlie's Angels, and we might have seen them together. That was kind of at the peak of my love of Drew Barrymore. If I had to pick, everybody has one celebrity that was your kind of all time celebrity crush, and for me, it was Drew Barrymore in basically, basically from Bad Girls mm-hmm. to. 51st states, states. like uh, that kind of 95 to 04. She was just my number one. Everybody has a number one. I'm sure you had a number one, but I'm trying to think who it would have been. Who was your number one? Aside from Sarah Michelle Geller. Well, I think Geller's it. Yeah, Geller's it. Geller's yours. But pre-Geller, it was Cameron Diaz. You were all in it. I think we talked about this on this podcast. We definitely have, yeah. Uh, So you you can't ding us people that are doing the scorecard on this, but... (laughs) Bob actually had this weird kind of, he was probably, it was probably for purposes. No. He would tape 
on his VCR Cameron Diaz talk show appearances. That wasn't the only thing I taped. I wasn't like a serial killer. I taped a lot of things. Sure, I love him as well. Tape all sorts of stuff. But yeah, if Cameron was appearing on a Conan or something. But for what purpose? Just to hear her anecdote about how she lost her canary or something? Yes, I wanted to know. I wanted to help her find that canary. She was awesome. That, but I remember I remember watching it, and when she laughed, it was like, oh, no. Yeah, she had a big goofy laugh. <laughs> like, What's <laughs> happening? You're perfect. Uh, what was the number one song, Bob? Oh, no, that's my move. That's your move. Okay. What was the number one song in America when Coldplay's debut album, Parachutes, came out? You'll be happy to know, Bob, that it's the greatest song of all time. Yes. You were correct. Let me see how close I can get this. Well, I just heard. Ah! Let's see. Did it start yet? It sounds like. Well, I just heard. <laughs> yeah. I told my friends. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's going to change. Looks like you're hurting your face as you're doing that. It does say. I start to pray. Then tears <laughs> of joy. Listen to this shit. (laughs) Listen to the backing music here. Like, we're musicians, so we could call it out. It sounds like a wedding band. It really does. I don't remember it starting so slowly. Like, it hasn't really kicked into gear yet. And this was, this is their song where it just went kind of nuclear. This song was huge. Well, number one in America. Number Come one on. in America, but it also had that, it had that um, contemporary crossover too. So mm-hmm. it was on every radio station. Plus as somebody who um, attends church every Sunday, Dan, I assume they were playing this in churches around the country. Every Sunday. Yeah. I could still picture it in my senior year dorm across the hall where the girls lived. The girl, the, her name, what was her name? Sarah. And she had a gigantic Scott Stapp poster. <laughs> and it was just his head and his profile. Oh, my God. Looking very serious, black and white. And then Creed with the... They worked... You know the tribal band that every douchebag guy had? Yep. Uh, on his bicep and tricep in the early to mid 2000s. That was part of their logo, as I recall, which is so on brand. That's on brand, yeah. Creed's one of the funniest bands ever. I think they're the funniest band ever. I mean, we, we laugh at live a lot, but Creed is like live on steroids. Right. It's like Creed came up and said, What were all the worst aspects of live? Let's take all of that. I'm going to do that and yeah. then and then do an Eddie Vedder impression. <laughs> and, and that was enough to make them the biggest band in America for a brief time. Um, they had, if you were, if, if you're the age range of Bob and I, we're both Old 40. Um, they were everywhere from 98 to 2002. 
which is when we went to college. It was mm-hmm. inescapable. It was a three-album stretch where every single they put out was huge, and they just were getting increasingly ponderous, and nobody seemed to notice. Yeah. Well, it was a dark time for music, and this was better than Kid Rock. So as mm. bad as this is... I mean, not. I don't think it's I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about late period Kid Rock Dan when he was like duetting with Cheryl Crow. <laughs> I'm talking about early Kid Rock. I like the cowboy song by Kid Rock better than this. Yeah, I think I do too. Actually, I'm a cowboy. <laughs> Wait, baby. hold on. Do we secretly like Kid Rock? Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, Picture with Cheryl Crow is an incredible song. Great bop. <laughs> uh, no, we liked Ba What to Ba. It's hard not to like that one. Yeah. We liked his little friend. We liked little Joe. Josie. Josie. Yeah. You know, rest in peace. R.I.P. We liked uh, I'm a Cowboy Baby. Cowboy Baby. Ron Jeremy in the video. Canceled. Ron Jeremy's canceled. Now you have, Ron Jeremy showed up in one of your early videos when you moved to L.A. I don't want to talk about who I've worked with, Dan. If you're tracking Bob's career. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, you can connect the dots. Bob's had some bad luck. Stop with it. How things have turned out. But um, Jeremy, how much did you pay Jeremy when you did that? Uh, it was like a digital we did, series in 2000. It was a series for superdeluxe.com in 2007. It was the first time I ever spent any time in LA. We spent a month out here. We wrote and produced this seven episode series called doing his best James Dean. And, uh, I had Ron Jeremy's cell phone number from VH one, a friend of mine had his number and they gave it to me. (laughs) So we cold called Ron Jeremy and asked him to make a cameo for, I think $500 maybe. And, uh, he was in, Oh, you should have started lower than that. (laughs) Ron Jeremy is a degenerate. Yeah. As we now know, well, we knew, he recently got arrested for some very unsavory things. Uh, but how about let's let's not bury the lead here. A few episodes back, you I'm going to call it accused me of being a John Mellencamp fan. I didn't know such thing. You admitted to it. You just came out with it. And yet. And yet, Bob, in your first your opening salvo in L.A., when you were 27 years old and just getting your feet wet and you're putting together your first comedy series, doing your best James Dean, that is a lyric lifted directly from Johnny Cougar off Jack and Diane. It was a... It Speak was, to it. It was a perfect title for the series, which was about James Dean didn't actually die in that car crash in the 1950s. He flew into a wormhole and no. then came out in 2007 and was trying to make it as an actor again. And all of the uh, trials and tribulations of uh, making it in 2007, he was doing his best, James Dean. That was the uh, the name of the series. I remember your James Dean was not very James Dean. He was a terrible actor. We came out here with the, uh, with the thought of, oh, we're going to be in L.A. We'll find an actor to play James Dean. It'll be Gotta no be, problem. There's going to be a million James Deans. There's going to be a million James Deans. We got... Dean Cameron. Uh, you found a block of wood. So Dean Cameron, who was uh, this a red jacket. chainsaw from summer school, that's when we met him and he was in it too. He referred to our James Dean as a two by four. <laughs> he was acting opposite a piece of wood. You guys needed a casting director. We could have used one. I Is didn't there know. any way to that our listeners can hear or see your debut in Los Angeles? No, I've wiped the internet clean of all 
Everything I've made pre-2010, just to be safe. Well, it's a very different time. Yeah. All right, let's get to parachutes. Bones sinking like stones, all that we fall for. Homes, places we've grown, all of us are done for. First track is Don't Panic. It's one of the most enduring Coldplay songs. Uh, I think a lot of people love this song. I do as well. And uh, when you rudely stated that I must start at track one, I it, it was my 1899 that I had spent. Actually, no, it was my parents' 1899 yeah. that I had just spent. <laughs> and I should be able to start it wherever I want. But in retrospect... Dope Panic is an awesome way to get into this album in a perfect track one. I will take the W on that then. I'll give it to you. Yes. I'll give it to you. Yeah, what a great track one. It just kicks right in, right into gear. Gives you what this Coldplay band is all about. Of course, the first thing I think of when I hear this earliest version of Coldplay, and they obviously changed a lot as they evolved or devolved, depending on how you see it, uh, is Travis, the Scottish band that had put out The Man Who a year earlier, and it achieved some level of success in the U.S., but was very big in the U.K. and um, and surrounding territories. Uh but I hear I hear that album so much, including here on uh, Don't Panic. Well, it says a lot that you bought this album and Kid A at the same time. And Travis's uh, The Man Who was a big album for us at the time. We were looking overseas to find good music because, like we've said a million times, music was the worst in America, as evidenced by the number one song in the country. It was so bad that we had to go overseas to find decent music. And when something like Coldplay came out, I remember loving Yellow the first time I heard it. And we'll get to that. But being so excited that there was a band. Oh, can we get to Yellow? Or no, we have when to we it. get there, yeah, do you we'll have to like go back no, to the beginning no. of the album again? We'll get, there. Like, we'll get there. We'll get there. Why rush it? Whatever. Why force it? Don't don't be like a Michael Douglas here and just force things. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Is there more to this Michael Douglas story? <laughs> <laughs> Dig deeper. Dig deeper. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on with your point, Bob. The UK was making a lot better music than we were. So we were the perfect sort of uh, consumers for this kind of thing. Right. We were at this point, again, late 2000, early 2001. We were right knocking on the door of all the great stuff that was coming down the pike, the 2001 quote-unquote garage rock explosion. Bob and I fell deeply in love with The Strokes and all that New York music that came out. Yeah, yeah, yeahs. Um, Interpol, Interpol, some of us, White White Stripes out of Detroit. Then The Killers landed, and Mm -hmm. we talked about a lot of that that music going through the next three or four years 
uh, with Matt Money Smith on our last show. But this was a different period. We were it was <laughs> it was Coldplay and Travis and Robbie Williams and Star Sailor and Badly Drawn Boy and whatever oh, else you could that find. Oh, that Star Sailor record that I really talked myself into <laughs> because I loved Good Souls, which is one of my favorite yes, like, Britpop so singles so of that era. Uh, but I listened to it all the time mm-hmm. and uh, Love Is Here was the name of the album. And uh I listened to it recently, and it was like, my daddy is an alcoholic. I think, it's like, what am I doing here? I think we both really liked that album until Noel Gallagher shit on it. He destroyed it. And then we were both like, we both had to take a step back and be like, what are we, what are we doing here? I think here? Noel's quote is something along the line of it. It sounds like cats being thrown into a river. That sounds <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, track two is another classic from Coldplay. Right? This is a classic for them. Shiver. So I look in your direction, but you pay me no attention to you. I know you don't listen to me, because you say you see straight through me, don't you? This this was and still is my favorite Coldplay song. Interesting. I just think this is such a good song. It's so interesting. It's in a way different from everything else they've ever put out. It's like more complex in a way. Well, I ju- I'm just reading this now, doing my research in real time as usual. <laughs> and according to a site called wikipedia.org, Chris Martin wrote this. It was kind of a tribute to Jeff Buckley. I was about to say it reminds me of Jeff uh, Buckley meets should, Radiohead. Should have done it. Well, I didn't. Think, said it. I didn't think now you were going to say it. I don't it. believe you. I swear to God. I don't believe you. I swear you. to God. It doesn't matter. I because swear to you God, had a I was going to say that. Say it, and you did it. Oh my God! What a missed oppo. Uh, anyway, he called this their most blatant ripoff song. He was uh, obsessed with Jeff Buckley, as we all were, and uh, and this is a pretty good Buckley impression. It's a really good Buckley impression. And when you hear that, when you hear, when you read that, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this could have been on Grace easily. This is the first single off uh, the album, Parachutes, at least in the UK. Uh, the first single was Yellow in the US, and this, and this was the second single in the US. I don't right. think it made any noise in, in the United States. A little, uh, I think a little bit. I don't think it was like, after Yellow, I don't think they disappeared, obviously, but I think that this wasn't as big of a hit. It wasn't a big hit in the UK either. It reached number 35, but it also was their introduction, and I'm sure Yellow, um, if that was the first single, it should have been. We just learned that from Money, how important it is to pick the right song. Mm-hmm. I don't know how their label didn't put Yellow as the first single, because Shiver probably would have done a lot better if it was the second single. Well, Shiver's more interesting, so I think they just went with, here's our best, most interesting song. Shiver. Shiver. 
Here's an interesting little nug, Bob. Martin allegedly wrote the song while thinking of Australian singer-songwriter Natalie Imbruglia, the woman with whom he was linked at the time. Really? Impossible. But he later denied it was about her. Other accounts have claimed that Imbruglia was indeed not Martin's inspiration for writing the song. Instead, he appeared to have been inspired by girlfriends in his teenage years and early 20s. He calls the song something that he wrote on a glum day and labels it as something of a stalking song. Stalking? Yeah. Okay. I can see him as a stalker. He's kind of got those stalker eyes. Oh, he does. Chris Martin's eyes are a little bit scary. (laughs) They're like so full of wonder that you just wonder if he's going to kill everyone in the room. If he wrote this about Natalie Imbruglia (laughs) and he was with her, it negates everything they've ever done. Because you're never allowed to be sad if you start with Imbruglia and then proceed to just kind of make your way through Hollywood. Also, the timing doesn't make sense. Right. Because they basically, they were, the the history of Coldplay, and there's a really good documentary called Head Full of Dreams that you can watch on Amazon Prime if you have it right now. Um, and they were, you know, college boys. And they met there and just started kind of honing their craft and writing songs together. And then this album just kind of showed up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So Natalie and Brulia in 2000, 2001, let's crack this, Bob. She was already a huge crossover star because of Torn Mm -hmm. from 97. She was already a big star in Australia. Yeah. uh, Because she was a soap opera star. There's no way she was banging Chris Martin, who was a nobody. At some point, I think she was married to the guy from Silverchair. Right. maybe Maybe that overlaps. I don't know. I don't know. She was awesome. She was a comet. Comet. <laughs> is, that right. big, is that the big takeaway from Shiver? Is that Natalie Imbruglia was hot? <laughs> uh, that, you could boil down half my takes to Natalie Imbruglia <laughs> is hot. Next up, this is a really great album. You know, one thing that I love about this album, I love everything about this album. It's one of my favorite uh, Britpop albums ever. Is this Britpop? I don't know. It's not that era, I guess. Right. It's kind of. But I kind of view. I I understand that people that are from the UK will say Britpop was, what, 94 to 97 or something. Right, right. But I still kind of like. I I draw it out a little bit to cover bands like Travis and Coldplay. Yeah. To our big, ugly American ears, it's all the same to us. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, this. uh, The reason this album to me is so special is. The track sequencing is so awesome. Uh, they do such a nice job uh, making it how the, all the songs kind of flow into each other. And it's a very good, it's a great vibe album. Mm-hmm. I remember it was a great writing a term paper or studying album or getting it on on your dome bed or going to sleep afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Sleep sex mix. It's a great sleep sex album for you. you uh, and we're going to get to one of the great sleep sex uh, songs ever very soon. But first... A song that led to this album being banned in China. I awake to find no peace of mind. I said, How do you live as a fugitive down here where I cannot see so clear? I said, What do I know? Show me the right way to go. Spies came out of the water 
about spies it's been a minute since i've heard spies true story that the chinese government which is all sorts of fucked up what is going on (laughs) over there don't say that i know they're listening the nda got in a lot of trouble for that (laughs) i should be careful no i don't know what's going on over in china but this song because it was called spies and let's just be honest chris martin was not talking about geopolitics no, he was. This I, is also about Natalie Imbruglia. <laughs> this is definitely about Natalie Imbruglia, <laughs> and uh, I, I think that uh, it was a bit of an overreaction by the Chinese government to see sales of the CD because there was a song called "Spies." Hot take, maybe a mistake. <laughs> Hot take, China <laughs> overreacted. I love this song though. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, it's got a great vibe to it. Should we talk more about? Chinese politics or talk about the song? I don't know which way to go on this. It's a tough call. Let's circle back to the Chinese politics. Okay. I'm only thinking about China's politics right now. Well, what is your take? Obviously, you have something to say. No, I'm I'm scared. I'm too scared. (laughs) Yeah, this is a cool, moody song. And I think we knew that the Yellow Band was going to be a little... They weren't going to be throwing out like rockers on this album. But I don't think we knew what we were going to get when we bought it. And this kind of song was definitely, I think, a little darker than I was expecting or a little more sort of it interesting. Was, it's very melancholy. Melancholy? Yeah. It's melancholy, I, but there's like a like a creepiness to it. Who I'm seeing the genre is labeled as post-Britpop. Okay. Oh, I like this part. This cool. This is interesting. Post-Britpop is an alternative rock subgenre uh, that followed Britpop in the late 90s and early 2000s when the media were identifying a, quote, new generation of second-wave guitar bands influenced by acts like Oasis and Blur, but with less overtly British concerns in their lyrics and making more use of American rock and indie influences, Jeff Buckley, as well as experimental music. That makes sense to me. See, I think to me, this sounds almost like this is hardcore era pulp, where it's just kind of like if this was a pulp song off their second to last album, I would believe it. Like it has that sort of moodiness and weird sexiness to it. No, oh, I love when you say sexy. I know you do. God damn, that was hot. I'm, my, your, I'm your Natalie Imbruglia. My favorite underappreciated post Brit pop band outside of Travis is Stereophonics. You love Stereophonics. I do like them a lot. They they had... I, I loved the singer. Um, I thought he had a really great, interesting voice, and I thought they wrote some really good songs, and a couple of their albums there were excellent. Definitely better than My Sacrifice by Creed. And Daddy Was an Alcoholic by Star Cellar. Daddy Was an Alcoholic. Didn't sound like that. Way whinier. Way more like cats <laughs> being thrown into a river. Was that what it was? It sounded like drowning cats. I think that's what it was. What Noel's quote was. I'll have to Don't look that up. Don't you know you have your father's <laughs> eyes? 
daddy was an alcoholic. <laughs> Do we, are we going to have to play that song? Yeah. All right. Uh, before we do, though, I want to play the song that earned icon status by being used during a romantic interlude in... In what? What was the Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, Bridesmaid? No. Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. That's why this song is known. That's it? That's it. Okay. And this, Bob Castron, belongs in every sleep sex mix. You can make love to the song. Uh-huh. And then guess what? You're tuckered out after some great a great sesh. Good night, baby. What would Michael Douglas do with this song? You don't want to know what he would do. <laughs> okay. He only listened to like thrash rap rock. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> During his session. The Judgment Night soundtrack. And for those that don't know, maybe it's the first time you listen to our show, I had a mix CD in college. I called it my slowdown mix, and essentially it was something that could be used during sessions with your significant other, but then also, when the session was over, you don't have to go to your real jukebox player connected to your desktop and hit stop and put on like a different playlist because now it's time to like just chill in bed go to sleep no the songs work in both settings Mm -hmm. sleep and sex right and bob has never understood this but it's very important that everyone understands that a a good sleep sex mix is the key to eternal happiness Let me ask the question, Bob. It leads Sparks. The song Sparks. Love the song. Can you imagine making love to your college girlfriend to this? <laughs> Do you want me to imagine it right now? No. Can you imagine that? Wait, no, 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 no. Would Hold this on. be uncomfortable to you? Or would it be like, oh, yeah, if we're having a nice little romantic moment? No. Wait. Do you want me to imagine myself having sex? Can you fuck sex? to the song, Bob, or not? You absolutely cannot fuck to the song. You can't have sex to the song, though. So you don't know how to make love. That's why. I know how to make You're love. You're a jackrabbit. You can fuck to the song. You're a fucking jackrabbit is what you are. <laughs> You're a one, two, three Jack Robin is what you are. <laughs> Don't. Uh. Me, I take my time with my woman. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What's well, like the, the great line in Outside Providence, Al Baldwin? Sex is like Chinese dinner. It's not over till you both get your cookies. <laughs> you never learned that, Bob. Oh, God. It's a very pretty song. It's a very pretty song. I mean, I'm only thinking about making love to my college girlfriend right now, so I'm very distracted <laughs> by this entire thing. Can we call Meredith? <laughs> Can we call Is she her? in your phone? No. She's not? She's not on my phone. D- you deleted her? Deleted her? I mean, we didn't even have phones when we were dating. This was 20 <laughs> years ago. I've never changed my phone number. I have many times. Yeah. So. I got a phone number in 2002, and it's still my phone number. So it, everything is always transferred over. Oh, no. That's crazy to me. Yeah. I had a phone in college and then moved to New York. I think I got a second number in New York. Then I was, uh, you forget, I was an influencer in the early 2000s. Yes, I forgot. I got a free that. phone sent to me from Samsung and uh, <laughs> it had like a Missouri number. So yeah, I had, that, was, that was weird. I had a Missouri number for a while and then uh, 
Yeah, I think I've had the same number since 2005. Why did you have a Missouri number? What was the? Because it was part of this big like, hey, come over to Sprint and we'll send you this cool Samsung phone. So I had to like just take the uh, the deal. The explanation was somehow more boring than my question, which I know is a bad was. question to ask. Well, it was your fault for asking it. <laughs> Didn't you go to school for journalism? You should be better. <laughs> should better not have asked that question. Be Even as it's coming out of my mouth, it's like, I don't care. And the listeners care less. <laughs> it's too late. Were you jumping off a cliff as you were? <laughs> Why does Bob have a Missouri phone number? He lives in Manhattan and he's 24 years old. He's never even sniffed Missouri. Nope, never. All right. So, so far, let's, because I do want to get into it. I don't care if we talked about it, the last Coldplay album, which we did with Mark Sessler way, 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 way back way, when. Way, way. A Rush of Blood to the Head about um, where we stand on Coldplay after 20 years of the band's existence. This album did come out 20 years ago, which is mad. Half of, half of our life. Half a lifetime ago. Yep. Um, but before we get into that conversation, uh, let us listen to the song that uh, led to me buying the CD and led to America being like, oh, these guys are pretty good. a specific memory of the first time I heard this song. I was in my college apartment at a place called Towson Woods, apartment 17-3A, and both of my roommates were gone. It was, like you said, junior year. Nope. I was on the couch, falling asleep with MTV2 on, <laughs> and this video came on, and I was half asleep as Chris Martin is walking slowly on the beach, singing about the stars being yellow and I was in and out of sleep and when I woke up I was like was that a real song or did I just imagine that <laughs> that this guitar part is one of my favorite guitar parts um, ever really I love it it just sounds so good and I've seen Coldplay live a bunch of times I like Coldplay uh, my wife, my wife, she loves Coldplay, so we've seen them basically on almost every tour. And live, the sound of that guitar with the drums, it just sounds so pure. The, the guitarist of the band, I think his name is Buckland? Is that right? That sounds Johnny very, Buckland? Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, he's a little bit underrated, I think. 
Um, and I just love the sound of the guitar in this. I think it kind of, I think that's what this song is about to me, the sound of that guitar part more than anything else. Yeah, this song hit. I mean, it hit. It worked. Everything about this song, the, with the lyrics, the guitar, the video, which was so subtle and kind of at the time when this was like... You're just like this mopey, pale British guy like walking along a cloudy that's beach. That's all it was. That's all it was. Yeah. The whole song. And that's why I think for me it was like a dream where it was like, is this even a real thing? It just has such like an ethereal sound to it. Here's that guitar. On the Howard Stern Show in November 2011, Chris Martin explained to Stern that he was impersonating Neil Young while entertaining guests when he came across the first chord of the song, which stuck with him for a bit. And then in a Neil Young voice, he sang, Look at all the stars. And then uh, he said the word yellow has no meaning whatsoever to the song, uh, but it just sounded right. One of those things. As musicians... Right. See, what a lot of people don't understand is like, Bob, as musicians, mm-hmm. we follow the muse. Yeah, we, and we follow her, her melody wherever she goes. Wherever she goes, we follow. Yeah, it's not for us to force her to go in any one direction. What's going on with the uh, da- dad bods in the middle of the pandemic? Let's get a little update there. Um, you know, things have been it's been rough. You know, COVID's affecting a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Turning the world upside down. Turn the world upside down, man. And the dad bods are not. <clears throat> Any better off for the wear? Like it's not, it's not a good time to be a member of the Dad Bods. I'm just well, gonna be honest. I guess the positive of this, and yeah, uh, for a band really to find itself, it needs to get in a room, get in a garage, and just at play and get to learn right. how to right. feed off each other and 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 get that creative energy. But obviously, with all this time you've had in your house, I'm sure your guitar work has probably gone through the roof. Well, you would think that, right? But like I said, there's I a lot of lot of variables with that. With COVID and uh, have I picked up the guitar in the last five months? No, but it's because there's a lot of other stuff going on, Dan. I don't know. That sounds like an excuse. It was an excuse. To get back to Yellow, though, (laughs) I feel like for us Coldplay fans, we heard that song and we loved it. That also became the lightning rod for for future Coldplay haters to fucking hate the band and hate everything about it because the song was Yellow. And the first line is, look at the stars, look how they shine. It's soft. It's super soft, and yeah. that birthed a. But gen- fuck that! I don't. <sighs> well, I always think back to um, one of my favorite books at the time, "Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs," written Chuck by Klosterman. Chuck Klosterman, and I think it was either the first or second chapter. He just goes off on Coldplay. Do you remember that? Well, he's the same guy that thought like Rat was the best rock band of the. Well, 80s, he, I mean, his but, first book, yeah. Fargo Rock City, was all about like right. '80s metal and stuff. But, but I'm curious; I kind of forgot. So I pulled it up that. because I uh, I just remember reading that, and as a Coldplay fan, I was like, "Oh no!" But um, he was very angry. What I remember, he was very angry that the girl that he liked um, spurned him to go see Coldplay. So uh, here's here's the passage: She elected to fly to Portland inst- instead to see the first U.S. appearance by Coldplay a British pop group whose success derives from their ability to write melodramatic alt-rock songs about fake love. It does not matter that Coldplay is absolutely the shittiest fucking band I've ever heard in my entire fucking life, (laughs) or that they sound like a mediocre photocopy of Travis, who sound like a mediocre photocopy of Radiohead, or that their greatest fucking artistic (laughs) achievement is a video where their blandly attractive frontman walks on a beach on a cloudy fucking afternoon. None of that matters. 
What matters is that Coldplay manufactures fake love as frenetic as the Ford fucking motor company manufactures Mustangs. And that's all this woman heard. For you, I bleed myself dry, sang their blockheaded vocalist, brilliantly informing us that the stars in the sky are in fact yellow. How am I going to compete with that shit? Thought of all the stupid things I'd say That was the thing about Klosterman who <laughs> and that was very funny. It was very funny. Uh the thing about Klosterman that always it kinda was incongruous was that he would have these really interesting strong takes about music. And then he would spend like fifty pages in a book talking about how Theater of Pain was the best album since the White Album by Motley Crue. Right. I it was I never understood I could I always struggled to to make sense of his rock criticism when he was such a big fan of the Kiss solo albums. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there I mean? was always that. But, I mean, he's like what Bill Simmons does, where they were both, like, definitive about their opinions. And when you're reading it, you could be swayed to uh, believe that the Kiss solo albums are incredible. Sure. All right, so here's Trouble. No, I never meant to do. Okay, so Trouble is the third single released, October 23rd, 2000. And it was, I remember it being more popular than I thought it would be. And honestly, I understand why people like it, but it's never been one of my favorite songs by them. I, I think it drags a little bit and is a little bit kind of sad bastard music. Um, but I get it too, because again, right. it fits in very nicely on this album and kind of rainy Sunday afternoon, rainy day music. Uh, but for me, it was a little bit beyond the pale and a little an overstep for me in terms of sad bastard music. Yeah, I mean, it is picking up right here like as, you, as we listen. But in a way, it's like the simplest song we've heard so far, even simpler than Yellow. Like, it's just a very sort of one note type Right, song. this is not Kid A. No, not at all. But it, it makes sense that audiences would kind of find this and enjoy it. Because at that point, people were had embraced Yellow and they got the album. And this was, I mean, this is what people wanted from this band. Right. It reached number 10 on the UK singles chart, making it the band's second top 10 single in the country. Yellow was the first. Did not chart in the US, but uh, it. I remember it getting, maybe not so much airplay, but I remember being on TV a lot. The video was on all the time. So well, it definitely made an impact here. When I was interning at MTV, I would... Um have to go to 1633 Broadway and there was always a guy in front trying to get tourists to go see Letterman. Like he would hand out free Letterman tickets and Coldplay was coming on while I was interning. So it's amazing I have a career at all. I disappeared for three hours. I took the Letterman ticket and I went to go see Letterman because I wanted to see Coldplay live. (laughs) So I just shunned. uh, I'm sure that episode of MTV Cribs wasn't as good as it could have been because the third intern disappeared. But I was uh, MIA for like three hours, and this was the song that they played on Letterman. How about that? Yeah. That's cool. So check it out on YouTube, David Letterman, Trouble, Coldplay, and know that a young Bob Castrone is in the audience crying. Worried. Crying, but also worried, like, will I get fired for this? Is this worth (laughs) it? Was it it worth it? Probably not. (laughs) It's like the seventh best song on the Coldplay album. (laughs) Kind of hope they would do Shiver. Um, All right. 
so that's Trouble. Another hit from the album, and we keep going now. Also, good job by Coldplay. And they're also a young band, so maybe they were a little more precious, but 10 songs. Here's yeah. our album. All killer, no filler. We're not going to fuck around. We're not going to fall down wormholes and drop a 16-track album on your ass. This is what we got. 10 songs plus hidden track. The hidden track. Not too many hidden tracks that I could think of after 2001 or so. No, after Napster. Napster ruined it. All right, here is Parachutes. Off the album of the same name. This is a quickie. Interesting. So it's actually, this is a 42-second song. So it's really, and the hidden track's not a full song either. I think it is, isn't it? Is it? Well, we'll get to it. I was going to say this is like a, a palate cleanser on the album, but no. The album commits to what it is. And then it just rolls through it for 50 minutes. Yeah. You're basically in this place. And I think that's okay. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes an album can fall into a rut. I don't think it does with this. No, it sets a mood and it's, you know, it it's not the same song 10 times. Right. Here is the next track, High Speed. I would say this is the song on the album that Maybe close closest contender for mid album filler. Yeah, I don't remember this one. Um, I like it; it's pleasant enough. But it maybe this is the one song. Maybe it blends in a little bit. No matter what it is, I bet it's better than every song off their last album. Last, oh, the last album was not good at all. Nope. They have lost the plot. Can anybody fly? So here's my take on Coldplay, which is different than yours. Mm-hmm. It is kind of amazing listening to this little sparse indie rock album. And then 20 years later, where they are now, which is big stadium act with Technicolor. They're, yeah, they're Erasure now. They're, but I think that's a, li- that's a little too much of a painting with a broad brush. I still think there's nuance to their music and they have songs that are more in the parachutes vein on every album. Uh, but they they definitely at a certain point uh, transitioned and said, we want to be the successor to U2. We want to be the big stadium band of our generation. And I think they achieved that because mm-hmm. I saw them at the Rose Bowl a couple right. of years ago. <laughs> so that what else do you need to... They sell out every place they go around the world. And they so they did become that big stadium band. Uh, And while I don't think they ever reached the heights again of Parachutes, Rush of Blood to the Head, the next album, which you could check out on our uh, archive, and Viva La Vida, which I really love, that album they put out in 2007, Mm -hmm. I think there's been really good songs uh, in the 2010 to 2020 range. There's been a lot more misfires and some of the big pop, reaches have been overreaches and it gets a little bit annoying and i think the last album is when he kind of i kind of explained it to emily is when you listen to the the most recent album and you listen to like some of his 
the way he speaks about the world and how he wants to impact the world, he kind of sounds like not Bono, but like Sting, like Ooh. Sting, like solo Sting. Ugh. And he and you just see like he even kind of starting to look like Sting a little bit, like when Sting <laughs> was around forty. And if that's who he is now, it's like all right, there could be worse things in the world, but also we've gotten the best of this band probably. And after twenty years, most bands don't achieve their uh, the heights of their youth. So. While they are in regression at this stage, I think that the the phase of the last 10 years, there's better music out there than maybe you believe, Bob, in my opinion. Well, what Coldplay is now, it's every time they put out a new song, and this has been going on for 10 years now probably, I initially hate it, and then I forget that I hate it, and I end up liking it. So like <laughs> that Beep Boop Pop, that song, Beep Boop Pop, the one that's about Jennifer Lawrence, you make me feel. Oh yeah, you beep, make boop, me feel. Yeah. I fucking hated <laughs> that song. Hated that song more than anything. And all I wanted, I was like, please give me back my my yellow Coldplay. What are yeah. you doing? And then, like two years later, I'd be like, oh, pump this up. Like it's because it is catchy. Like they still make. I heard that song at the Rose Bowl, and like all like the kids that were working security were dancing in the. How uh, could you not? Catacombs. Like they're doing. It sounded great. They do do that well, with the exception of the last album. They do do that sound well, but I would love nothing more than if they just put out an album that sounds like this or sounds like Russia Blood to the Head, and they were just kind of taking a step back, and it's like Kiss without the makeup, going back to like where who we are. <laughs> kind of album like that would make me so happy um i get that i get that they definitely if you want to be the biggest band in the world if you want to fill up stadiums you can't just keep on putting out parachutes right you need to write big anthemic music and and they made that commitment and i think here's so here's we never change it's the ninth of ten tracks and i guess just for fun might as well show the evolution so this is a typical this is a typical Coldplay track on, on Parachutes. We you never could, change. You can make love poorly to this and then go to sleep. <laughs> Gently and take your time. Everybody gets their cookies. <laughs> All right. Listen to this a little bit. Okay, you get the point. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Not well, it's fun. Not fun. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's very chill. Again, it's. I, I think of a a, a dreary sunny uh, Sunday with the rain coming down. And you got nothing on nothing to do. Uh, all right, and this is now what they put out as a single. Is probably the biggest single they've had the last few years. T fell down. That's what I always hear. T fell down. T fell down? T fell down. What do you hear? Beep boop bop. <laughs> That's a lot different. And I, I hear, uh, if you're not connected, troubles <laughs> on the wall. If you're not connected. Is that erasure? Stumble, you may fall. Stumble, you may fall. And then their biggest hit of the last 10 years was... A collaboration with the Chainsmokers. Yes, and this is, I mean, this my, is like an... My undi- kids love this song. This is an undeniably good pop song. Old, I like this too. And the myths, and his gold, 
Achilles and his gifts, Spider-Man's control, and Batman with his fist. And clearly I don't see myself up on that list. But she said, where'd you wanna go? How much you wanna risk? I'm not looking for somebody with some superhuman gifts, some superhero. Some fairy tale bliss, just something I can turn to, somebody I can kiss. I want something just like this. Then it kind of explodes into a big dance, yeah, chain smokers chorus. Um, if you do, I will say this, Bob if you missed this, the early version of Coldplay. There is one Coldplay album that I would suggest you revisit if you ever, if you never did. Mm. Ghost Stories. Oh, interesting. Which yeah. was his divorce record uh, after him and Gwyneth had their conscious uncoupling, which Ugh. is a tough thing to. Yeah, I can't come back. It's from hard that. to depend. It's hard to de- defend a band when you put out a joint statement that you're conscious uncoupling. What That's, does that even mean? That feels very Gwyneth. But that had her finger, her goopy fingerprints all over exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, but Ghost Stories has really, really uh, chill vibe. They had a another one of their late period hits, Skyfall of Stars, on it, which mm-hmm. doesn't fit in with the rest of the album. I think the record label basically said, we're going to kill you if you don't put on right. a radio single. But the rest of it is very chill, nocturnal, uh, more introspective. And it really does, to me, have a direct connection to their early stuff. That is... Dan, you never say anything worthwhile. That is a really good recommendation. I'm excited to... I don't think... I can't remember the last time I listened to that album. I'm going to do that. Yeah, shut the fuck up. All right, here we go. The final track on the album, although not really, is Everything's Not Lost. Oh, yeah. So there was one for every day With the good ones on my shoulder Because as much as I love this song and this album, if they just kept on putting out this music, right, they'd be they're like, not selling out the Rose Bowl. They're Travis. They kind of disappear in they're, America. Right. They have right. a following all around the world in pockets, but they're not right. huge. And he's certainly not living in Malibu, Malibu with Dakota Johnson as his girlfriend. No. With Gwyneth Paltrow that and Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Wait, that his... Oh, yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, he's doing a nice job. He's doing a nice okay. Job. Modern day Sting's doing a nice job. Modern day Michael Douglas. I want to hear that Douglas bombshell that you hinted at about a half hour ago. Said <laughs> it was criminal. That was his dad. His dad was the criminal. Kirk? Yeah. Kirk had issues? Kirk was a monster. Let's save that for the Kirk okay. Douglas podcast. Okay. <laughs> There's that. Johnny Buckland chiming guitar that I like. The one thing I remember about this song before it really, uh, like I said, it never really gets going. But I remember loving this song and wanting to put it on mixes, but you couldn't because when you were burning it off a CD, mm-hmm. it was like 10 minutes and 12 seconds long because it just went right into the hidden track. And there was no technology at the time to just clip it off and put it on a mix. Yes, that was very painful whenever that would happen. I hated when that would happen. This is a great song, though. It is a great song. I don't want to sleep yeah. on this one because I really... its I wanted to put it on mixes. I it's just couldn't. It's a great little pocket for them. Let's yeah. listen. If 
So yeah, I think Coldplay to me are a huge success. Obviously, that they're all gazillionaires, and he's living in Malibu with Dakota Johnson right now. But I respect the band that just kind of goes for it and is not afraid to take the music in different directions and take risks when they could easily just try to do the same thing over and over. So even if it didn't work and maybe they lost the plot along the way, well, that's okay too because. When you're two decades deep into a career, everyone kind of loses the plot eventually. Might as well yeah. fuck around while you're at it. I agree. Can I tell a cool Chris Martin story before yes. I forget? So a few years back, my wife is a wife. teacher. She was teaching at a school in Santa Monica, and one of the dads mm. was a record producer. Why are you making noises? No, she's a teacher. That's hot. Is that hot? Okay. To me, it is, yeah. Um, one of the dads was a record producer, so... The class did like a little field trip to the dad's studio. And he's like, this is a private school, so everybody's fucking loaded and it's crazy. So she goes to, um, takes the class to this studio and they're getting the tour from the dad. And all of a sudden, Chris Martin and Coldplay walk in and the dad said, <laughs> that's so LA. The dad says, so we're making an album together and one of the songs needs some kids in it. Would you kids be available to sing on this track? Oh, my God. And my wife is there with her students like, oh, my God. And he was like, yeah. So they put the kids in the studio and they had the kids do this whole chorus thing for them. And I remember it was not the most recent album, but the one before yes, that. Yep. Yeah. And she said that, like, Chris Martin was so nice to everybody. He was so good with the kids. And uh, the guitar player was super friendly. Johnny Buckland. Yep. Everybody was just, like, great. And she had, like, the best experience ever. So uh, wait, I just thought of the entire band: Guy Berryman, oh my God, Johnny Bucklin, and um, Will Champion on drums. You look like Will Ferrell at the end of Old School, where it's just like <laughs> the stuff is coming out <laughs> of you, and you have no, yeah, but yeah. So uh, good guys, according to my wife's one interaction with them at this. Uh, oh, you know, trip. you know, your wife was way into it. Oh no, I know she, she was, locked yeah. that one away. She was talking about Chris Martin a lot after that. Yeah, my wife loves him too. He has a power over women of a certain age. <laughs> uh, and that age range is where our wives reside. My wife is going to love to be called a woman of a certain age. <clears throat> well, we're men of a certain age, starring Scott Bakula, Ray Romano. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're uh, someone who is right, yeah, grew up or your adult years are around Coldplay. Yeah, the fact that he, because he's one of those dudes that treats his body like a temple and is way better looking now than he was 20 years ago, mm -hmm. even though he's probably 42 or 43 now. And then your wife like looks at him and then she looks at you and then she fires up the YouTube video again and looks at him. She goes to the recording studio that he's at and says, <laughs> Oh, nice to meet you. And he's like, Oh, nice to meet you. I'm in Malibu. Not too far from you. Why don't you come over? <laughs> what I'm saying is that your wife banged Chris Martin. Wait a second. Here's the hidden track. Sorry, I don't let it stand 
You know Chris Martin would be all in on my sleep sex mix ideas. Yes. Yeah. This is the pace at which Chris Martin Fox. <laughs> this would this song would not be on it. I just want to make that clear. And yet for 90 second snippet yeah. hidden track, it's a perfect way to close this album. I mean, this feels like it should be its own song, like flesh this thing out. I like it as like, you know, curtains coming down. Yeah, and I agree. There's one more hidden track, actually. I think you might be right. Yeah, let's listen. D, right? Yep. Show D for Sparrow, our one man band. It's so good. That is not a hidden track on the debut Coldplay. You know album. what? At the end of every episode, we pick one song to go on our throwback podcast playlist. Is that eligible? I wish it was, Bob, but uh, <laughs> it would be unfair to say uh to all those Coldplay fans to throw on Joe D in a big spot there. <laughs> but what about the Joe D fans, Dan? <laughs> well, you're looking at him. <laughs> it's true. It's us. Um all right. Before we pick our song to go on the Throwback Podcast playlist. And that was fun listening to Parachute just two grown men in a garage listening to a romantic sleep sex album together. Loved it. I feel like when Cecil was here and we did the second album, at a certain point we all started crying about our ex-girlfriends. We did. So this this went a little bit more in a, um, I feel like a positive road. Not since the time you and I lost our friends at a Coldplay concert and ended up watching the entire show together, have we experienced such oh intimacy? God. When they put on, when they started in on "Fix You," I missed her so much. Well, we were so good at getting closer. So much. To, we were so good at uh, sneaking up closer to the stage, and along the way, we lost our friends. So you and I enjoyed like two hours of Coldplay, just arm in arm. So that was a very special night. It was. At the PNC Bank Arts We were Center. both brokenhearted at the time. And we were, yes. So. It's true. Um, yeah, you know what? Shout out to Coldplay. They can create good that, that moment. Yes, they're good at that. They so did be- a good job. Before we pick a song to go on the playlist, thank you to everyone who voted in the poll on patreon.com slash throwbackpod. We appreciate you. We're so much more comfortable right now. We could do like seven of these podcasts. Well. Six? Maybe one more. <laughs> Um, thank you to our top tier sponsors, Bruno, the sponsor who's still out there surviving COVID and just keeping this podcast alive. He is the best. 
Kleiny over in Australia. Kleinbaum. Kleinbaum and our favorite Australian rules football team. Natalie Imbruglia. Nat- the Natalie Imbruglia. The West Coast Eagles. The West Coast Eagles, who have uh, been on a winning streak since I, we started uh, endorsing I them. keep on getting tweets uh, from our listeners trying to get me in on the West Coast Eagles more than just like a bit on the show. I'm going to I'm gonna try. I, I want you to know that I haven't really dug in on the West Coast Eagles yet, but they are my favorite team. They're Bob's favorite team. They're yep. the official team of the Throwback Podcast, and I, I plan to watch one of their matches. Everyone said, yeah, they'll tweet us like, oh, they won a match. They won 60. They won 62 48. And I'm like, is that good? Like, is that that a lot lot? of a lot of points or a little runs points? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, but they are a favorite team ever. So thank you to Kleine and Mancy over there. And of course, Courtney and Wyatt and the twins, the whole Courtney and Wyatt family. And twins. Very different twins. Very different twins. Don't do that again. Those are infants. The other ones <laughs> are hot babes from a beer commercial. <laughs> yes. Let's <laughs> let's separate the two. But um, yeah, the top tier sponsors. Thank you. Everybody throwing in $2 a month, $6 a month. You guys are the best. And uh, patreon.com slash throwback pod. Thank you. All right. Let's not overthink this, Bob. I, I think we both love Shiver. I would have fought you if you wanted yeah, anything Yeah, I knew else. that you, you were passionate about it. And I love the song, too. Who doesn't love Shiver? Unless you hate Coldplay, which is probably half of you. Just like I said, it's like a Jeff Buckley song. I said it first. You really... Oh, Bob, you were so close. It was it was in the holster. Imagine you had that. I know. And then I would oh. have come in off the top rope with... And you know what, Bob? It's funny you should say that. What a moment that oh. would have been for you. Just think about that. See, Coldplay makes you depressed. Yeah, this is the saddest Coldplay memory I'm ever going to have now. All right, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode uh, and until until then, just think about Bob laying in bed, eyes wide open. Oh, he's got one more thing. I was going to say, before we come back with a new episode, we'll be on Patreon for our $12 tier doing a little mini pod. So $12 and above. Yep, we'll see you. You get on... mini pods from us. Yes. We have to do that? Oh, yeah, we do. All right. Then that is coming. All right, that's it. That's all we got. Bob will lie in bed, eyes open, just thinking to himself. He could have proved his, his worth as a man that understands music. Do you, do you have Meredith's phone number? I'll check it out. All right, thank I you. I have every phone number from 2002. Thank you. Till next time. <laughs>